On this episode of Resi Week, Google has come out with their own version of Amazon's Echo, what that's going to do for the residential market. We look at the impact of the IMAX branded home theater system, plus talk about electricity in your coax cable. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 17, recorded Monday, May 23rd, 2016. Okay, Google. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like the Avenue Alliance. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at the uh, residential and uh, home version of AV. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us, uh, first and foremost, we'll do the the farthest person away from me, and that is his name is Paul Williams. Uh, he is from Control Four. Welcome, sir. Well, glad to be here. Thanks again, Tim. Uh, and uh, now this is going to be interesting because I've never done this, uh, at least not with with video. Uh, sitting right next to me, <laughs> guys, <laughs> name is Joe Whitaker. From uh, Jay Whitaker Designs, also happens to be a CDA board member. How are you, sir? Doing well. Glad to be here. Easy drive. <laughs> well, easy yes, drive. easy drive. That's you know, when you live in St. Louis, everything's an easy drive. It's just you know. That is true. I've, I've told people before that I you know, I I I live on the on the east side of of St. of, of St. Louis. So technically, I live in Illinois. Mm-hmm. But where my house is, I can be in Bush Stadium in twenty minutes, because of the highways and yep. you know, we don't have LA traffic. No. Or San Francisco traffic, Paul. San Jose traffic. So, yeah. All right, let's get. Makes it easy. Oh my gosh, you guys are horrible. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as Atlanta, though. I've I've never experienced traffic worse than Atlanta. Just personal. You know. That's one of the reasons I avoid that place. I don't blame you. Uh, all right, first and foremost. Uh, so Google had their their home I/O. Their, I'm sorry, Google had their I/O conference last week. One of the biggest stories to come out of it. Holy cow! Here comes Google with their Amazon competitor. I'm not going to say it's a killer. Not quite yet, because it's not even shipping. Um, so, Joe, we'll start with you on this. Um, what do we think initial reactions? And and just for the record, again, we don't have a price. We don't have a ship date. But just the, the fact that Google is going down this road. So, vaporware is good. <laughs> vaporware is good. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a big impact on it, uh, because other than Apple with Siri, they've had the longest um, run with voice control that actually works. Or, or just, you know, the way they do voice with OK Google. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it on my PC a lot instead of having to type in things. Just I've never use it on spit. my PC. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. All you have to do is you just you turn the mic on and you have it listening. And you can say, OK Google, search for blah, blah, blah. And boom, I don't have to type. Really? Love it. Okay. So th- they've already got a lot of experience going into these weird territories. Uh, the thing that uh, really sparks interest is is Google has been pretty open with, for the most part, with some APIs, mm-hmm. more so than anybody else. So that could be that transition into using it with, uh, like, with with Paul with Control Four, using it with uh, other systems because you know Alexa and, and Echo did make it that readily available. Google already recognizes a home automation platform. What six years ago they said we we're going to come out with Android at Home. You know, we're going to have our own home automation platform. They felt that was a bad idea. It is a bad idea. It was a horrible idea. I got to see a demo of it at South by Southwest. It was it was really bad. Um, but now 
them taking the knowledge they have of voice control, um, voice recognition, and implementing that into control. Because, you know, the article says, oh, well, we already have plans on to control TVs to use Chromecast. Okay. Okay, great. So that means you are you already have it in your mind that this is going to be a control mechanism for things other than just streaming music, which they also mentioned that they don't know what services is going to be yet. So we know there's going to be, you know, Google's own version. Who Google, else are you going to have? Well, you have Google Music, right? Yeah, you have Google Music. But I think that they're a company that could actually do this and, and actually do it in a well-orchestrated mass market. Uh, Echo was the, 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 the teaser. Let's okay. build this thing and throw it out on Amazon Marketplace where everybody that uses it can see it and just watch it take off for itself. We'll figure out analytics on it all later. Let's just toss it out there. Well, now Google has a proof of concept out there that Echo did. And they're like, okay, we can do voice better. We can do devices better. We have better algorithms. We got more research, and our analytics is top-notch in the world. If we throw all that into a product, there's kind of no way they can lose. I mean, they're kind of at that point. That's why I think I really think it's going to be compelling. And they recognize this market, and I can say they do, because this year at CD, you're going to see Google on the trade show floor. Okay, then. And Amazon. So they both recognize our industry, um, which is great, finally. Um, but yeah, they're looking at they are going to be a, they are going to be the the new remote okay. for the connected home. All right, Paul. Uh, Joe mentions the the whole interactive thing. Um, I'll point out that there's a couple of, of manufacturers, control companies that have started dabbling in this. Right, I'm not even going to say they they figured it out yet because they haven't. Um, the only one, you know, there's there's maybe two or three that have, have started down this road. The APIs from from Google in general, obviously, we don't know specifics about this specific product, but in the past, historically, Google's APIs have been rather robust. Um, does that encourage you? Does it discourage you? Does this frighten the bejesus out of you? What do you? What is your take as as a control company in general? Oh, we're very excited about it. We've. Uh... You know, Echo is, is one of those platforms that uh, has been out for a while. We have uh, some third parties that have created interfaces or the capability to connect uh, Echo to a Control 4 system and allow it to work correctly. Um, we look at the Google News as, as interesting and exciting. I, I agree with Joe. Uh, they they have the, the bandwidth behind them and also the know-how. And they've got like, you know, 15 plus years of searching uh, technology that they have built into this thing, right? That's not been Amazon's forte. Amazon's a, a retailer, right? They've they've really grown up as a retailer, and and as you look at that Echo Box, it does a great job of retailing what Amazon does. Um, and then secondly, it was a control device that now we're being that's being utilized in that home automation world and the rest of the world. Um, I think the the Google approach coming to this is going to be exciting and interesting. Um, interesting to me though was at at Google I/O. It seemed like they really they jumped the gun a little bit. Um, I know it's their event, and so it was probably the best time for them to announce something like this. But it it seems not ready yet. Um, you know, they're announcing they don't have the SDKs or the APIs available for third party yep. developers yet, right? Um, it doesn't have all the features that they were hoping to have, and that you know, they so don't it have seems a price. like they don't have a price. <laughs> they don't have it, a it was, price. They really I'm sorry. Jumped, they jumped the gun quite a bit on it, but. I understand you're you're coming to your big your big event and you want to you want to uh, to announce it, but it seems like their development's probably a little bit behind where they were anticipating it was going to be because knowing Google, I think they would want something a little more wrapped up 
um, that they were talking about last week. But I'm excited about it. I think there's some some cool things there. The real question is, does the advantage that Echo has, because Echo's selling a ton of units right now, or Amazon is with Echo. Um, the question is, is that is that first comer advantage, does that continue to yield them advantage? Or does Google just overpower them and beat them out of the market? That'll be the interesting thing to watch. Well, and I guess I'm going to ask the question here. One who's million the, dollars. Who's, who's, who's the bigger money. company? Seriously. I mean, and, and that's an honest question because you look, at, you look at, at Amazon, and I am not a stock market analyst by any stretch of the imagination. But I would almost – I would say that probably Google is a slightly bigger, but the valuation for Amazon is in the billions, right? Mm-hmm. So who's, who is the bigger company? It's the battle of the Goliaths here. I mean, yeah. you've got both these guys that are they got a lot of money they can throw at it too. And not and, and not for nothing. Let's let's mention the other one. Where the heck is Apple in all this? I think they're sitting back waiting. Okay. They're like they're like okay, wait. Let, let, hold on. We're going we'll watch these two fight and then we're going to let's let, you know, that come out and then we'll see which one wins and why they won and we'll mimic that. Which would probably be a smart thing cuz they've had some failures like HomeKit and you know, some, oh, yeah. you know some other things that they you know they dabbled in, but I, I I did you know it's interesting that Paul's on this because it made me think of something. So I look some years back, right, um, and uh, I remember me and Paul and uh, Eric Smith at some trade show. I don't remember. This was at least eight, nine, ten years ago, and there was a company called Voca, which was basically it was it was the first proposed voice control platform to be used with Control Four. Some guys out of Canada. Had a nice little touchscreen um, that utilized voice control, um, and then some years later, we saw uh, VoicePod. Yep. Uh, with Ted, who's a good friend of mine, so we, we've seen these companies try to do it from a residential automation circle of yeah. you know doing it interior in our own little sphere here. In our own little sphere, and while the idea was good and the tech was okay, there's not that potential for mass which pushes products out. Mm-hmm. So with these guys doing it, and I'm sure Paul can agree, this is what actually brings it full circuit of bring, brings it back into, you know, the home automation systems is it takes a big Goliath to actually make the masses recognize this. You can't do it from internally where you only have a, you know, a dealer base of X that's going to push this out by word of mouth. Now we've got the big guys duking it out to try to pull this in. That's what's making it, you know, a, a big deal. It's, it's basically Sonos, you know, but, yeah. you know, for voice control, for voice control. you know, multi-room audio, we've in our industry been pushing it for decades and decades since the, the thing started. Yeah. But Sonos made the recognition for multi-room audio with that Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. The commercial was Super Bowl, one of the most brilliant commercials I've ever seen that didn't say a single word. It's crazy. But that's what Echo has done for us for voice control. I think Google can do a better a better job at it, even though Amazon is the marketplace and they crush Google for Google's, you know, shopping. Oh, yeah. um, but Google has a much, much bigger reach because you can guarantee when they release this, there's going to be a, you know, a Google search box that when you press it for like the first week of launch, you're talking to their device, oh, yeah. and you can buy it right there. The, the way they're going to do it, I'm, I'm assuming, is going to be huge. Yeah, I, I think we're, we are doing the battle of the the uh, the Goliath. Here, oh yeah, so. exactly. It's just like Betamax. All right. Oh, <laughs> All right okay. So here's an interesting story, and and I, I bring this up, and, and if you're watching the video, you can be as scared as I am. If you're not, I'll, I'll explain what's going on. 
It's come to us from the uh, website called The Verge, theverge.com. Good technology uh, uh, podcast and, and blog and, and, and site. Title of the piece is A Bad Cable Installation Destroyed My $2,000 TV and Almost Killed Me. I'm sorry, maybe almost killed me. Um, there's a little uh, a little uh, video loop of somebody taking a, um, a cable uh, un- unhooked from a device and basically push- touching it to a metal uh, object and there's sparks coming out. So it's a very much an electrified cable. Um Long story, very very short. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even going to mention the, the the two or three different cable companies and satellite companies that were involved in this. But this young this this gentleman, uh, Chris Welch, uh, works for The Verge. Had, had a Vizio 65 inch 4K TV, an was, HDR one. Yeah, wasn't even his. Right, poor kid was reviewing it for his job. Right, and plugged it into this and toasted uh, his old plasma. Toasted this two grand Vizio, mm-hmm. toasted a couple of different satellite receivers, cable box receivers. Um, Joe, you said that you've seen this a few times. Yes. Um, I guess the, the first question is how does this happen and who, who's responsible? Oh, that last part's uh, an interesting part. I'm not, le- I'm not asking for legal money. Yes, no, but. no. So, but, well, okay. So uh, I've had this happen, in, you know, me personally, uh, both in St. Louis and in Texas. And, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of different ways it can happen. You know, he mentioned the a staple piercing a coax. That can cause some issues. Um, a lot of these actually have to do with, you know, ground loops and, and things like that where – the cable box is actually the cause of the problem because it can take uh, bad things like that and send it out through the HDMI, can send it out through the coax, can send it out through RCAs. You know, it, it, it all comes down to that voltage. And, and one of the things that it should be like a, a best practice is, you know, doing some type of, you know, surge suppression and elimination on, you know, I always preach it, coaxes and HDMIs if you can do it. Yeah. Uh, Metro's got a great product for that. Put it right on the HDMI and gets all the stuff out. Um, How does it do that? That's a good question. You'd have to ask uh, uh, the the HDMI brain over there at Metro who came up with it. It's an amazing (laughs) little box, though, by the way. You can't get get surge through it. but, you know, I've seen it, you know, a handful of times. I told you about there was a time when a, a certain direct TV company wouldn't let us um, actually put the boxes. Did you just say a certain rest. direct TV company? Yeah. One of the, you know, the installers, the, insta- you know, the oh. subcontractors. <laughs> I thought you were being no. cute. But... No, no. I was talking about, you know, a, a subcontractor. <laughs> okay. Thank um, you. You know, wouldn't let us put the boxes in the rack. They had to do it. And then, of course, we're going to want to go in there, clean it up, yeah. term, re-terminate them, shorten it, make it look the way we want it. And uh, took one of them off and had my arm on our grounded rack and touched the tip and was worse than any, you know, 110 shock. It was nice and it really got me. And uh, another time something similar happened. So I've seen this happen. Another time was through an HDMI that was being plugged into a TV before it even got all the way in. You saw the spark arc across, uh, fried the HDMI, fried the TV. Um, in that instance, at least it, it was a customer already had the TV. It only blew out one of the HDMI ports. So the TV didn't totally die. But, um, I mean, yes, I've seen it. And, and most of the causes are, are our industry 
veterans understand the way a ground loop works. Yes. Right? So, I mean, you have your panel, your neutrals and your grounds are on different buses, and when they're on different circuits, that can cause those kind of those kind of things. Yeah. So when you're centralizing your rack, which is a good case of probably what happened to him, is he had more things to plug in than he had local outlets. So he probably had it on two different circuits or their power inserter or whatever the cable company used. And that caused that type of thing to happen. And how do I put this? I don't want to say cheap devices, but uh, ISP and cable provider devices are not the, the most stout built. You know, they're just throw them out there, get them built and put them out there. They're not built to handle that kind of thing. So they'll put that stuff out of the HDMIs and out of the coaxes and create all types of other issues. Um, I've seen cable modems blow up. I've seen routers get fried in a commercial setting. So, I mean, the fault, though, the problem with the fault is how do you actually say this was your fault? You know, cable companies are required. They say this is your fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what's the proof? Where's the, you know, that where's the proof? Cable companies are not required uh, by any kind of law to do voltage testing on their coaxes, which is horrible. Um, they just, you know, oh, just terminate the coax, uh, plug it in. Oh, we got video. We're done. No, there should be something that says, you know what? Do me a favor. Check and make sure there's not, you know, 12 volts at a thousand amps rolling through this um, coax. Cable. Yeah. They're not required to do that. The flip side of that is it may have voltage on it, but it may not be their fault. This this might fa fall back to the you know the electrical in the building, so it's just it's a downward. You, you you never know. All right, Paul, I'm not quite sure what to ask you from a manufacturer standpoint, except for the fact that this is freaky. Um, is there is there? I mean, you, you guys have got you know protections and stuff like that on your electronics. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot you can do, is there? Uh, no, I guess that one of the things that you know it would add a lot of time to your to your install. But it, as a installer, you could try to test that out, see if it's got voltage run on the line, right? Before you plug it into your equipment, especially on that coax. That, that was the scary part to me. You got this piece of coax. You expect that you can put that thing on your tongue, and you know you could dip it in water, and nothing's going to happen because <laughs> oh, nice. it's coax. We don't worry about coax. Exactly. Right? I hope this article keeps everybody from putting coax on their tongue. I'm just saying. This, I mean, this thing was like an. I've arc totally welder. done that. I have too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like an arc welder, right? I mean, that's the last thing you want to see happen. Right. Yes. That so, so the only thing I could suggest is that you may have to do that. Uh, to Joe's to Joe's point, the interesting thing in that article to me was he still they he called the company they come out and fix it they ch still charged him for sixty bucks exactly they charged him for service the problem to, to get rid of the arc welding cost sixty bucks yes so that yes. was awesome to make it to make it safe it cost another additional amount so I, the only thing I would suggest is that you know if you're worried about it um, you know it's probably it's it's a 10 second check with a with a meter to see mm -hmm. if you've got power running over it and that's probably a good kind of best practice i would say so yeah absolutely especially when you haven't had the total end-to-end -end. you know installers that are going in and installing the whole thing end-to-end -end, they're putting the boxes in they're running the coax they're doing everything you're, you're a little safer there because you've got control of that situation right. when you go in though and you're pulling old boxes out and putting new boxes in you probably want to be careful yeah you don't know what that environment looks like and how it's working so. well and it goes back to your point is is making sure that you get a voltage touch i mean even a, a, a not a cheap multimeter, but a multimeter, right? Yeah. Just get yeah. a multimeter on and, and turn it on and see what's coming through there. If, if, if there's any manufacturers actually watching this that makes any kind of, I don't know, line toners or HDMI testing equipment, I would suggest right now that, you know, you could just possibly put a voltage test inside those testers mm -hmm. other than just, you know, a little continuity flip switch. Oh, it's got continuity. It's plugged into mm -hmm. something. No. No. If, if they did that, that'd be amazing. So if you're watching... 
That's a great idea. Put some voltage yes. in it. Put some voltage testing. I wonder if we have. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. Uh, it all happened at AV Nation. I was trying. I was trying to think of one that that <laughs> I, I know watches, but I can't think of one off the top. Yeah, of my me head. neither. All right. Uh, last story here, guys. Uh, IMAX. And this is interesting. Uh, I, I grabbed this actually because we had Ron Callis on a couple years ago around the same time that they, they had the first iteration of this. IMAX TS, TCL is launching the IMAX Private Theater Palais. And I hope I'm saying that word correctly. P-A-L-A-I-S. Nobody here is correcting me, so I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> it is the company's first quote-unquote completely turnkey home theater system from a single source. Okay. First question, and, and Paul, we're going to start with you because Joe's had a couple of, of instances with, with IMAX. As a manufacturer and as somebody who could possibly get in, I, I guess the best way to ask, say this is get in on this on this business, right? How do you start conversations with people like IMAX, right, who have started going down this, um, this, this higher-end residential road? Um, and obviously it's to increase their brand and, and you know, revenue stream. But how do you guys start the conversation? Do you just call up the folks in IMAX up in Canada and say, "Hey, you know, we have a really cool control system. Would you would you be interested in partnering so you can get in on this single sourced home theater stuff?" Yeah, we we do a lot of that cold calling. We have a, a biz dev group here, and you know, we identify uh, key partners that we'd like to work with, and we have them reach out. Some of it's cold call. Uh, they use LinkedIn a lot. They'll get with they'll find out who the key players are, and they'll do some exchange, try to see if there's an interest. And that, that interestingly enough, drums things up. We also then have manufacturers come to us uh, because they've heard about the Control 4 uh, platform, and they say, hey, we'd love to have our, our system work on your platform. Um, in this specific case, um, I, it's interesting. I think uh, it's, it's another interesting take on kind of that, that bundled, everything included. It's soup to nuts. And you pay one fee, and, and I know what that is. Um, and and I, I think there's some value there to some consumers. Um, it's, you know, as, as Joe will attest, um, the challenge when you go into a consumer that has no concept of what his services cost, it can be a little perplexing sometimes. So he's going he's gonna to try to understand what their needs are and what their wants are, and he's going to give them a price. But that price could be between 10000 and 200000 and And what you get in between is really hard for consumers to have to, to grok and to understand. Where this is going to be, this is what you're getting. You're getting this experience. You got this product. Here's what it is. Here's the theater. It costs this. Here's what it is. And I think there's some value to that. Um, the question is, you know, will they be successful uh, entrenching that into that into that market? So, all right, Mr. Whitaker, um, I'll ask you if they're going to be successful later. But but walk down the path of of doing these all in one complete turnkey systems. So so I'm going to coin a brand new phrase. It's going to be HTIBB, home theater in a big box. Um, all inclusive. So, you know, IMAX did an iteration of this in the past and I can't remember off the top of my head if it was, you know, $500,000 minimum or a million. I can't remember what the first iteration of this was, how much it cost. It was a million, right? Okay. Yeah. And they they did have a step down that you could do, but yeah, the starting price was a million. That's what it was. Super Um, affordable. Yeah. Super affordable. affordable. (laughs) Um, but, but that iteration was a like they do golf simulators now. That iteration was you're basically just selling it and then you get a very, very small percentage for you know sales commission. That, that was that iteration of it. Now, did you, real quickly, on that iteration, did you do any of the work or you just sold? You, no, you just sold. They installed it. They, okay. the whole thing. Okay. Um, but, you know, technology has progressed a lot, so now there, there, there can be a little more 
setting one of those up in the past, I got to see it, and yeah, I would rather not have even messed with it because um, they really had the big, the, the big box thing that you would use. It was crazy. Um, but so now, you know, my thing is, is when I look at it, you, you look at what they've done as IMAX, right? And they have this great idea, which kind of matches the new, the, the, the top golf, the golf simulator, the baseball simulator kind of, kind of method. But you know, when you look at it and you're, you're an integrator, you're a dealer or whatever you may want to, even if you're just a home theater shop, you look at it and any company that's been around for over 10 years is going to look at that and say, I have personally done more installs than you have in your existence. Cause you look at their numbers, 160 something uh, theaters, 68 international. And you're like, darn, I did that much last year. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of trying to, you know, weigh through it. And, you know, I know that IMAX has had conversations with CDO on this, on this whole new iteration. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if they can do it. They've tried it before. Um, you know, Ron Callis, me yeah. and him had lots of talks back then when that, when that was going on because the idea was great, but here's the kicker consumer experience. Everybody has heard the word IMAX, Absolutely. but there's only a handful of them in the United States. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're here, they're there, but now you have the people who have already put their foot down in, in the residential space. What I mean by that is Dolby vision and, uh, well, R3D and also Dolby Atmos, which is the experience that, that home theater owners are starting to see, because right now you can go see that and you can go see Dolby vision with Christie projectors, right now in theaters in more theaters than currently exist for IMAX. Really? So now you have this, now you have this shift because what we can, well, we're already being pushed in the residential market is already out there in a much large, larger scale way. IMAX just has that, that name. But when you think of IMAX, what do you think? The huge yes. screen. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to scale that down to a smaller screen, there's other things I can use that might have a better experience in a residential setting. That's where the kicker is going to be because IMAX is known for a big screen. That screen is, you know, probably the face of some of these houses. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's I I don't know how they're going to proposition that. What is going to be better than that? Is it going to be better HDR? Is there going to be a better color gamut? Or what is going to be your claim to say it's better than an HDR Christie using Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos R O three D? Yeah. What are you selling me that is better than that? Where our industry and our channel is doing the entire install and sale and design, and this HTIBB. And what? and to your point, um, a lot of these residential dealers, well, all these dealers, period, have way more experience doing the installs. Exactly in right. residential space. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Interesting. 